Okay, so the title of my message today is My New Life. If you're taking notes, the title is My New Life. Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 9. Jesus, this is the Sunday uh, where the story is at right now. This is the Sunday that Jesus raises from the grave. Um, if you if you remember something, the disciples at this point have never experienced Easter like we have. We're on the, the backside of resurrection. They were on the front side of resurrection. Resurrection had not happened yet. And so they were feeling, honestly, something that we've never felt. We've never had to carry the burden or the feeling that, is he going to come out of the grave? Is he going to rise again? Is this the end? We don't, we don't experience that because we're on the, the backside or the other side of the resurrection. But these guys were on the front side. Resurrection hasn't happened yet. They've heard Jesus say it, but now they're in a place where it's got to happen. Something has to happen. If Jesus doesn't come out of that grave, then he becomes the greatest liar in history. Right? And so that's what everybody's feeling right now. Everybody's mourning. Everybody's crying. I'm trying to put you in the scene. Everybody's weeping. Some of them are feeling like this is the end. And Jesus does some incredible things. After Jesus rises from the grave, he spends another 40 days on the planet meeting with his followers and his disciples and doing his thing. And, and so he, he spends another 40 days after this day. If this, was, if this was last Sunday, this would be the day that Jesus rises from the grave. And then he spends another 40 days spending time with his followers. Okay? Before... By the way, on the fourth, 40th day, they watch him ascend into heaven in a cloud. Okay? It wasn't a funeral procession. There wasn't a casket. There wasn't even a long, shiny vehicle. It was a cloud from heaven came down and gave him the best ride of his life. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And he was raised up alive and well. I have a mental picture. Just letting you in my mind. This is a scary place, but it's okay. I'm letting you in my mind. I have a mental picture because I believe Jesus was funny. I believe Jesus was rising up in that thing and he's going, see y'all in a little while, I'm coming back. Just a good old, maybe even like a little parade wave or something, you know what I'm saying? I just, I don't know, just, it's kind of what I see. I just see, I don't seem like, you know, like Star Trek or something. I see him just being alive. So let's pick the story up in Mark chapter 16, verse 9. Let's pray before we do that. Lord, we come to you this morning. I'm reminded of the parable that you told about the seeds that have fallen on different soils. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that you would stir the soil of our heart and that, Lord, we would be good ground. I pray this morning that, that and I agree with the scripture that says your word will not return void. I pray this morning that you will sow good seed in the good ground this morning for a great harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 16, verse 9, it says this, After Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, say early. When the Bible says early, it really means early. The first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene. So that's pretty cool. Mary Magdalene's the first person to see Jesus. How would you like to be Mary Magdalene? Like, I saw him first. Na, 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 na. Right? I was the first one there. I saw him come out. I saw him at his freshest. You know, you know what I'm saying? No, I saw him. Watch this. The first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene. And then it gives a description. The woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. I'd have been like, dang, Lord, you can't leave that part out. I mean, come on. That was a long time ago. Why you got to tell everybody the demons was cast out of me? Can't we just leave that are you seeing what I'm saying? Is why it couldn't just be Mary Magdalene was the first one to see Jesus. But they had to throw in, oh, by the way, this is the girl who had seven demons cast out of her. And so when I was studying this, I'm going, God, why did you say that? I almost took up Mary's offense. I'm like, why did you say that? Why, did you, why do you have to say that she was a lady who, who had seven demons cast out of her? What's the importance of that? And so as, as I'm asking that question and I'm praying, I get this little bit of a revelation that the reason he put that in the Bible was because Mary Magdalene was the first person to the grave. 
The girl who God cast, who Jesus cast out seven demons was so overwhelmed by his power and his love for her that she rose up earlier than anybody else and she went to the grave where he's supposed to come out. Why? Because she wanted to be next to the one who set her free. And it's a message to us that whom God sets free wants to be next to God. You follow me? So yeah, she had seven demons cast out of her. That's great. There's nothing to be ashamed of. I've had a few cast out of me. May need a few more. You never know. But, but here's the deal. She had demons cast out of her, but she was the first one there. She beat everybody else. Come on now. That's good stuff right there. She wasn't depressed. She wasn't embarrassed. Listen to me. She was set free. You see, when Jesus gets up into your life and he sets you free, you just want to be wherever he's at. You want to be doing what he's doing. You want to be where he's at. You want to be next to him. Trust me, if you ain't got that right now, we're going to talk about that this morning because you're missing something. You're missing something. Because there was people that should have been there that wasn't there. But the old girl that had seven demons cast out of her was there because she wanted to be where Jesus was. I believe she wanted to be the first one to see him come out of that grave. And she did everything in her power to make sure that she was there. You see, when you give your life to Jesus, something happens to you when you go from spiritual death into spiritual life. There's this undescribable desire inside of you to be where he's at. Nobody has to tell you to read your Bible. Nobody has to tell you to get up early and pray. Nobody has to convince you that you need to do that. You're doing it on your own. Why? Because you want to be where he's at. You don't want to be separated from him. You want to be next to the one whom set you free. Right? And if you're not feeling that today, listen to me. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to preach the word to you. And, and the Holy Spirit's going to come in and he's just going to bring some conviction. And he's just going to just, confirm that, okay, I'm feeling that way. But not to bring you down, not to tear you down, but to lift you back up. So I'm praying this morning for those of you that have given your life to Jesus for a while now, that you'll have a salvation experience again today. That that experience, the day you gave your life to Jesus, will come alive inside of you today. That's the way I'm preaching. I'm believing that to happen, and that's what I've been praying this morning. Lord, Lord, let them feel it again. Because there's something incredible about people that give their life to Jesus. Isn't there? I mean, so you take a new believer. They walk up into a church service like this. They hear a message that's from God's word. And all of a sudden, the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes. And then in a moment, they have the opportunity to say, Lord, I surrender. I give up everything. And that they have a moment with Jesus where they surrender to his lordship. Something happens on the inside of them. They're the funnest people to be around. The coolest, craziest people to be around. They roll up into Walmart like front row, Jesus. Pull out, boom, there's a front row right next to the handicap. Thank you, Lord. They walk in, low prices, and what's Walmart doing? Rolling them back. <laughs> right? I mean, they got faith for everything. Like the grass, they got some weeds growing in the backyard. Weeds need to die. <laughs> Didn't even buy no Roundup. They just, they got that kind of faith. Right? They, they see things from new eyes. They see things from a new experience. The Bible says that they went from spiritual death into spiritual life. And now they're made alive again. And they just, watch this, they just believe it. They just believe it. But the problem is that sometimes they get into a church with a bunch of dry, dead people. And they go, why aren't you excited? And if you're not careful, they'll leave the church because, man, people did. Why? Because they want to be around other live people. Who goes and hangs out at the graveyard just to hang out with dead people? There's not much conversation. Right? So Mary Magdalene, the woman with seven demons cast out of her, was the first one to be there, the first one to see Jesus, according to Mark's gospel. Verse 10, 
So she went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what happened. But when she had told them that Jesus was alive and she had, she had seen him, they didn't believe her. You need to underline that. They didn't believe her. Who didn't believe her? The guys who walked with Jesus for nearly three and a half years, every day, every minute, saw the miracles, heard the message, felt the things that he felt, walked through the same things that he walked through. Those guys, the ones that should have been at the grave anticipating his arrival. They should have been waiting outside like, oh, bro, is going down today. Oh, boy, that rock's going to move. I wonder how he's going to do it. I wonder, I wonder if one of them big old angels is going to come and move. Down. I wonder how it's going to happen, but they're waiting. And the little pebble falls. Oh, oh, is that it? That's what they should have been. They should have been there with some anticipation, some expectation. But the guys who had been with him the longest... We're back at home weeping and crying. But the old girl that had seven demons cast out of her, she's waiting by the grave. It's going to happen today. It's going down today. I mean, are you, are you seeing what I'm saying? They didn't believe her. She comes back out. Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's not in the grave. I saw him. That's how new believers walk into churches sometimes. Man, God did, 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 God did this incredible thing. I was at Walmart. He did this miracle. They go, and then before you know it, the new believer ends up acting like the old believer. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody today. Verse 12. Afterward, he appeared in a different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country. So, so Jesus, this is a cool story. You need to read it. It's, one of the, it's in one of the other Gospels. I think it's Luke. But it's a cool story. Two of Jesus' followers are walking. They're going from one town to the next. And bling, Jesus shows up in the middle of the street. And the Bible says that he was in a different form. In other words, they didn't recognize who he was. So this dude shows up out the blue and they're just walking. And Jesus is just talking to them and he's asking them questions and he's just loving on them, and, but he's just with them. And then they, they, they walk for a while and they talk for a while. And then Jesus finally leaves. And one of them looks at the other and goes, man, didn't your heart burn when that guy was talking to us? And then they realized, hello, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. But their heart was burning. Why? Because they'd just been in the presence of Jesus. When was the last time your heart was burning? When was the last time your heart was on fire? When you're sitting up in your house and you're crying over the scriptures and you're crying out to God for somebody. When's the last time your heart was just burning? Verse 13. They rushed back to tell the others, the disciples, but no one believed them. You see what's happening here, right? Verse 14. Still later, Jesus appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together. So Mary saw him and went and told them and they didn't believe. The other two followers who walked with Jesus and they realized who they were with went and told them and they didn't believe. So now Jesus shows up on the scene himself, sits down at the dinner table of their life, and watch what he says. He rebuked them. Now, you know, we all got that one kid, right? That one kid that you go, anytime you go somewhere, you get everybody all dressed up, and you're like, he better not mess up today. I'm just going to kill him if he messes up. And then you got this big old thing planned. And then they got that one kid or that one relative that's going to always mess up the party, right? Think about this. Jesus has risen from the grave. It's a great moment for him. It's victory for all of us. And he's got to go rebuke his disciples now. His closest believers. His closest followers. But he did. He rebuked them. Watch this. 
And this is part of the message that you've got to get. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. You see, the problem with older Christians is that there's a tendency to become stubborn. Oh, I'm going to step on your toes right now. I'm telling you right now, I'm about to step on your toe. That's just a warning. Stubborn. How many of you had experience with a donkey? How many of you ever try to move a donkey somewhere the donkey don't want to be? It's a very stubborn experience. You'll lose your Christianity in a moment trying to mess with a stubborn donkey. The problem with older believers that have been following Jesus for a while, if they're not careful, they'll go and they'll start getting the attitude like, I've been there. I've done that. Lord will speak to them. They'll have a moment in a quiet time and the Lord will say something like this. I want you to go serve in OSC kids. They got about four or five boys in there and I want you to influence their life. And they'll go, nah, they got people for that. I did that already, Lord. I served my time. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching. Come on. They get stubborn. I don't want to do it. Maybe you're at work and your boss, whom you don't like, needs to hear what you got to say. And the Lord convicts you. To preach the gospel to them. Mm-mm. They don't deserve it. I ain't doing that. Stubborn. Don't want to move. The disciples who walked with Jesus. The guys who had it more than anybody else did. Became stubborn and full of unbelief in two days. They was all fired up on Friday. But come Sunday, they all deflated, stubborn, unbelieving. Isn't it crazy how fast you can fall into stubbornness and unbelief? Isn't it crazy how a few little circumstances in your life can take you in a direction that you never thought you would go? It's kind of like working out. Isn't it amazing how when you quit working out, how quickly you become flabby? I'm like, if I could build muscles as quickly as I lose muscles. Right? But it's the same thing, the same principle. If you don't guard your heart and you don't keep the flame inside of you burning bright, you're going to become stubborn and full of unbelief. So Jesus rebukes them. He tells his disciples, listen to me, he's about to leave the church, the first church ever planted on the planet. He's about to leave it in their hands and he's correcting them in the process. I think that's why he stayed 40 days. He's like, I just can't. God, I can't. I, I need a little more time, man. You feeling me? Why did Jesus stay for another 40 days? I believe it's important to note that Jesus stayed another 40 days because he wanted to prove that he was alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm not dead. They're not taking me away in a casket. You see, I came out of the grave. I'm alive. I'm not dead. You need to know this today, that Jesus is alive and he's doing well. He's not dead. He's not in the grave. He's not in a casket. He's not at the grave site. He's not even at the funeral. He didn't even make it to the funeral home. He is alive and well. That's why he ascended right before the disciples' eyes. The cloud came down and pulled him up and the disciples watched him alive all the way to heaven. And then he went and he sat at the right hand of God, which proves his authority and his power. That's where Jesus is today. He's sitting at the right hand of God with all authority and all power. And he's alive. Watch this. And he's fully aware of what is going on in your life. He's not blind. Oh, he's aware. My son left this weekend to go fishing with his parent. And they got people that show up at the camp sometimes that I don't approve of. 
but I kind of had to let him go. It was one of those moments. It's his voyage, his, his maiden voyage by himself. And so, you know, as a daddy, I had to give him a few little instructions. And one of my instructions was like, son, listen to me. I don't know who's going to be there, but you better remember this. God sees everything, <laughs> right? Come on, you want to give him a little something to remember to chew on while they're leaving, right? Jesus ascended into heaven and he wanted his disciples to know that I'm alive and well, not just to judge you, not just to keep an eye on you, but to be here with you. He's alive and well. Second thing, I think he wanted him to, sh- he wanted to show his authority and his power. Then he came for 40 days to finish up the work on the first church plant. He's leaving. I mean, listen, this thing was in shambles, y'all. It was in shambles. Friday, his main guy, his, his main leader, Peter, is over there denying him three times. And then the rooster crows. The rest of them took off running. These are the guys that are about to start the church. Like the first church. Think about that. It was unorganized. That makes me feel better as a pastor. I can use it as an excuse. Well, we don't have to be organized. Jesus' crew wasn't organized. (laughs) Man, let me tell you something. The Jesus they experienced for 40 days was not the same Jesus two days before. The Jesus two days before was 100% man and 100% God. The Jesus that rose from the grave was 100% God. He walked through walls. He showed up in different forms. He, he opened up his hands and showed his scars. He ascended into heaven. The disciples for 40 days experienced, you've got to get this, they experienced not just Jesus, they experienced the risen Christ. The one who was and is And it's to come. You follow me? They experienced the risen Christ. The live one. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Uh, That's just good stuff. I mean, because that's the same Jesus we get to experience today also is the risen Christ. The one who has victory. He's already gained it. You see, Jesus is not a historical figure. He's not even a hero that you read about. Jesus is alive today, and he's still writing history today. For some of you, he's writing his story in your life, and that's history. He's rewriting history in your family, in your genealogy. He's rewriting the history of your family. For some of you, you need to rise up and get a little flame inside of you because you're getting ready to pass down a whole lot of either blessings or curses to your children. And you need to let Jesus come alive in you again so that you can make sure I'm going to pass down some blessings. I'm going to pass down some, some spiritual audacity, some spiritual boldness, some spiritual courage. I'm going to pass that down. I don't want to pass down spiritual weakness. Spiritual hiding, spiritual depression. I don't want to pass that down to my kids. I'm going to rise up so that I can pass down the goodness of God and they can take off where I leave off. Amen? Because I don't want them to start all over. I want them to take off where I leave off. Look at your kids. He's rewriting the history of your family. And let me tell you something about that, by the way. This is a little side note. I believe in the thing called transitional generations. Where God comes in. He's just like he steps in the middle of your whole family tree. He walks in and he touches two people. And he says, I'm doing something with these two. I had enough of this family curse. I'm breaking the curse over these people. And he begins to move in a man and a woman. And they raised up. That's me and Cheryl. That's our story. We're a transitional generation. She comes from alcoholism. I come from divorce. She comes from all kinds of stuff. And I come from all kinds of stuff. We were living in, in, in death, living in curses. God plucked us out, brought us out, moved us away. And now he's starting over something brand new. Ethan, Anna, and Virginia, brand new. It's the hardest thing in the world to walk through. The curses, 
my father left for me, even though I've been delivered from them, they still knock on the door. They still knock on the door. My daddy's been married five times. You know what the enemy comes at me with? Pornography, adultery, lust. I'm fighting it. I've been delivered, but I got to stay free. I got to keep walking with Jesus. You follow me? It's not easy. I got to maintain. I got to keep going. I got to stay next to Jesus so that Ethan doesn't have to face that divorce spirit. He doesn't have to face that pornography devil or that that lust devil so he don't have to face it. I want to kill it today so he don't have to face it again. Amen. But it's not easy. It's not easy. But Jesus is alive and he's living inside of me. And I'm going to stumble and I'm going to fall. But here's the real power. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to get back up. And I'm going to keep on going because he is the lifter of my head. He's the one that reaches down and pulls me off the ground. The devil got his foot on me. Jesus goes and grabs me and picks me up and pulls me up off the ground. Amen. That was just a side message. Praise God for that. So Jesus, Jesus leaves some instructions. You got to hear these today because this is, this is where it's at. This is what happens after Easter. This is what you need to expect. He leaves some instructions. Watch this in verse 15. It says, and he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new tongues. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And they will drink any, they, And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. That was his instructions. So number one, Jesus says to go and preach the good news. So Jesus says to the people he's entrusting the first church to go and preach the good news. Go and preach the good news. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But watch this. Anyone who doesn't believe will be condemned. Baptism doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. Baptism is the result of salvation. Baptism is going public. Baptism is an outward sign of what God did on the inside of your life. Jesus says, if they believe, they'll be saved. If they don't believe, they'll be condemned, period. He didn't say you got to make sure they're saved. He didn't say you got to make sure everybody, you know, everybody believes. He didn't say none of that. What did he say? Go and preach in all the world. Go and preach in all the world. Some of you say, but pastor, I ain't never left Eunice. I hear you. Do you know when you tithe 10% of your income, the first one, by the way, that as a church, we take 10% of that and we support missions across the world that are preaching the gospel. We support Compassion International, who's feeding families through the church, the local church. We support one by one, which is it's, it's an orphanage. Matthew Murray was here a couple weeks ago. Him and his wife run that organization. They're, they're rescuing girls from human trafficking. You've got something to do with that. You're preaching the gospel all over the world. We support his people church in South Africa, Pastor Willem's church. He's going to be with us shortly. You're supporting the, the preaching of the gospel in South Africa. But let me tell you something even greater than that. Just in case you didn't know, something you may not know about Eunice. Eunice is part of the world. Who would have thunk it? Oh my gosh. Mamu. Lotel. Basil. Leroy. Wherever that's at. Patasa. Uh, they might have their own God in Patasa. You never know. <laughs> Just joking. But he said to go and preach the good news all over the world. And this is good. 
He says, whoever believes will be baptized and baptized will be saved, but those who don't will be condemned. Number three, miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Who? Those who believe, right? Isn't that what it said? So, so let's do a little, a little thing this morning. If you believe, I want you to raise your hand and hold it up. If you believe, everybody raise your hand up real high. Okay, now look around. There's not many people in here that don't believe. Okay, look around. Like, turn your head and look around. There's a, like, like 99% of the people have their hand raised that they believe. So you can put them down. So who do the miraculous signs accompany? Michelle, that's you. It accompanies you. Now watch this. Come see Anna. I'm going to embarrass you this morning. She's cute. Got a new hairdo. Got some bangs. It's my little girl. Proud of her. So let's pretend, and it's easy to pretend, that Anna is miraculous signs. Okay? So I'm a believer. Wherever I go, she comes with me. I go to work. Miraculous signs come with me. I go to Walmart. They're still rolling back prices. <laughs> Miraculous signs are with me. I go to the gym. That was a short journey, short moment at the gym. <laughs> Miraculous signs go with me. They accompany those who believe. You believe that? If you believe that, shake your head yes. I mean, like you really believe that. I'm mean, like, there's no more doubt in your mind that that's not true. That, that, that if you believe, miraculous signs are going to come with you. If you. Like, are you sure you believe that? Then where are your signs? Where's the miracles? Oh, but we can walk around and say, oh, but God ain't doing no miracles. Thank you, baby. We get, there's churches in this town that don't believe in miracles anymore. And I'm sitting here going, I didn't get the email. Nobody sent me the letter that God quit doing miracles. He never said in 2000, I'm going to quit doing miracles. He never said that. His word's still alive today, right? It says that wherever I go, miraculous signs are going to come with me. Right? Well, if that's true, then why do we have a hard time believing that? Why do we get bored with Christianity? Why does our, our wood get wet? Why does our flame go out? <laughs> I believe it. Notice what qualifies someone to be involved in miraculous signs. They must believe. Jesus made it simple. If you believe in me, miraculous signs will follow you. They will accompany you. They will go with you. You got to make room for them. You got to know that they're there. You got to expect them to be there. You got to anticipate them being there. You got to not be afraid of them being there. Don't be a chicken. Listen to me. Don't be afraid of the miraculous. It takes stepping out of your comfort zone. It takes doing something you're just not comfortable with. It takes, it takes just a, ah, I got to shut my mind off and just, I just got to do it. It's like the first time you jumped off the high dive. You just, you were kind of there and you just, ah, ah, and your buddies are going, come on, you big chicken. And you're like, ah, ah. and then once you jumped off, what'd you do? You heard and ran back up and jumped off again. Why? Because it didn't kill you. What are those signs? He said this, they will cast out demons in Jesus' name. There's too many demons around. We, we've, instead of doing what this says and casting out demons, we've learned to live with them. We've learned to live around them. And to just deal with them. Oh, this, that's just the way they are. You know, they're like, they're like my papa. 
Well, dang, that means they got your papa's demon. Kill the demon. Don't tolerate it. He says, you'll cast out demons. I've cast out demons in Jesus name. I've had demons cast out of me. He says, they will speak in new tongues. Don't be afraid of tongues. Why would we ever be afraid to speak in tongues? It's a spiritual gift that the Bible says is for every believer to edify them. That means to build them up. That means when you pray in tongues, you turn green and your muscles start popping out the shirt. And then you turn into the incredible Hulk in the spirit. And you just, and the demons run. Sorry, I'm a little animated this morning. Hopefully you're seeing it. Somebody just needs some animation this morning. That's all I'm going to say. I'm normally not like this. I'm usually cool, calm, and collected. Acts chapter 2 is called the day of Pentecost. That was only a few days after this day that we're talking about. The disciples did what Jesus said. They went up into the upper room and they began to pray in their known language. They were all together, about 120 of them. And God promised, Jesus promised, he said, you go to Jerusalem, you wait for me. You wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's going to come in and he's going to fill you with power to go and be a witness. And by God, it happened. They're in an upper room and they're praying. There's a big old festival going on. It's like you would be living in an apartment downtown Eunice for Mardi Gras, okay? And they got all the chankity chank going on. And you, you and a few of your friends is upstairs praying. And all of a sudden, this, this rushing mighty wind, the Bible says, comes rushing through the building. And they were all filled with the Spirit. And they all began to speak in new tongues. So much so that the people that were outside two-stepping and, and are listening to the chankity chank realized something was going on. They said, oh, there's a better party going on upstairs. And they accused them of being drunk. Peter stands up, says, yo, we ain't drunk. We just got the Holy Spirit. And he begins to preach. The band quits playing. Peter preaches. 3,000 men, they only counted men in those days, gave their life to Jesus and were added, watch this, to the first church. It could have been 9,000. Added to the first church right there. So he said, you will speak. Who's going to speak in new tongues? All those who believe. I'm just saying, your pastor prays in tongues. Your pastor sings in tongues. I pray in tongues every Sunday morning. I'm right here in the front singing in tongues. And we try to keep things in order around here and not get too crazy. But let me tell you something. Praying in tongues is real. If you ain't got it, it's not a problem with God. It's a problem with you. You don't believe. Because by God, if this book says that it's mine and it's here to help me, then I want it. Another message for another day. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. I don't like that one. But you got, let me clarify what's going on here. He didn't say that you can now go and pick up snakes and play with them. That ain't what he said. They got some churches called snake churches. They bring their own snakes to the church. And if you won't pick up the snake, they say you ain't got no faith. I said, I got plenty of faith. I just got a lot of wisdom too. Because the wisdom says that the best snake is a, a dead snake. It's referring to the time when Paul was shipwrecked and he went to pick up a log for the fire and a viper bit him and he didn't die. It's just saying that God's, what God's doing inside of you is greater than anything on the outside of you. It does not say, and I'll repeat, go handle snakes. Snake showed up at my house the other day. He had a cotton mouth. My son was walking. It was almost dark. He goes, Dad, he almost stepped on him. Dad, a snake. Get my gun. I'm like, I'm wasting the shell. I got a shovel. I grabbed the shovel and, and I handled the snake with the end of my shovel. And he didn't harm me. You follow me? 
It says they will, if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. Here's, here's the next one. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. It happened from that day on that the believers would go and lay hands on the sick and they would heal. They would be healed. Jesus gave them these instructions. And then they watched him ascend into heaven. Where he sits at the right hand of the father. Watch the last portion of this verse. This, uh, this section here. It says this in verse 19. When the Lord Je- Jesus had finished talking with him, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached and the Lord worked through them. Watch this, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. So what did they do? The first thing Jesus said to do. You got to get this. What do you need to do today? The first thing that he tells you to do. You do the first thing, then he'll give you the next thing. Don't worry about the whole picture. Just do the first thing. He'll give you the next thing. Some of your marriages need to be restored. Just do the first thing. If he says to humble himself, then humble yourself, then go humble yourself. They went and began preaching the good news everywhere they went. They preached the good news. They were over here. They preached the good news. They were over there. They preached the good news. Watch this. Jesus was working through them, confirming what they were preaching. Another word for confirm is to prove. They were preaching. Jesus was proving. You see, too many times we get worried about whether or not it's going to be proved so we don't preach. Here's the reality. If you don't preach, he ain't got nothing to prove. So the reason you're not seeing signs, miracles, and wonders is because you're not preaching. You're not doing the first thing he said to do and go and preach the good news. You go and preach. Jesus comes and proves. You don't have to worry about the proving. He's got that under control. You just preach. When you preach, he proves. Right? Why are you saying that, Pastor? Because too many people get hung up on whether or not he's proving what they're saying. You preach... He proves. You put the seed in the ground. He brings the water. And the sunlight. And he causes it to rise up. You're only responsible to preach. He proves. Christianity... Is meant to be a radical, lifelong experience with a living Christ every day. Every day. It's a tragedy that so many Christians are bored today. It's a tragedy. The world around us is in the shape it's in because of us. Because we have the life-giving power that raised Jesus from the dead, and we are responsible to give it to other people. And if we don't, he don't prove. Let me show you how it happened in the New Testament. Acts chapter 5. You getting something yet? He's good. I'm telling you, it's supposed to be an adventure. We're not supposed to be bored. We're supposed to live on the edge of our seat. Dear goodness, we're only here for about 85 years. We're supposed to live on the edge of our seat, having all these experiences. We shouldn't have time to gossip because we're so busy talking about what he's doing, right? But instead, we get bored and we start gossiping and we get in trouble. Acts chapter 5, verse 12, the apostles were performing, performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and, the, and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all 
healed. That's what's supposed to be happening today. Your life should be so alive and so passionate and so believing in Jesus that people laying folks out in your driveway. So when you get up in the morning and the shadow passes over them, come on, somebody, that boom, they'll wake up. These walls should be busting out. We shouldn't have enough room for for people because they want to come and be where Jesus is. They want to follow you because they experienced Jesus in your life this week. And they say, hey, man, where are you going Sunday? Man, uh, I'm going to church. Uh, What church do you go to? Savior's church. Uh, What time? 1045. Uh, What time are you going? Uh, We uh, we, we usually go 1045. Okay, I'm going to be there. You see this? I mean, am I just being crazy this morning? Have I lost it? They were coming from towns around and bringing folks to them. Sure sounds a whole, like, a whole lot like what they did when Jesus was walking on the planet, right? But he's not there no more. He's sitting at the right hand of the father. Why are they doing? Why are they coming after the disciples like they did after Jesus? Because he's living on the inside. Are you getting this this morning? Have I pushed you too hard? If you say yes, I say amen. It's happening today. Y'all. It's happening today. A while back, I was at the Walmart in Crowley. And you know how you are when you get to Walmart? You're looking for the, well, number one, you're looking for a checkout line. And then you're looking for the shortest line, right? Well, my old secret is you always sneak off to the garden department and see if you can't creep on out. Not steal, but like get through fast, right? So I always, I'll, I'll grab my, my milk and my egg, whatever. And I'll, I'll go run all the way across the store to go to the garden department so I can get out because I'm trying to go somewhere. So this day, I'm in a hurry. I grab my stuff, heading over to the garden department. I'm like, yeah, there ain't nobody there. And boom, there's a big old line. I'm like, God, devil. Devil got me. And this, this lady back there, I mean, she's, she's working it. She's working her tail off. She's one of these ladies that could chew gum and walk at the same time. She's over there. She's bing, 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 bing. And she's telling a story the whole time. Everybody that comes in front of her, she's telling a story. She's holding a conversation. And the line's moving. I'm like, hey, this ain't too bad. I like this lady. And then the closer I got, the more I started to hear her story. And she was telling everybody that she was nervous because tomorrow she had to go and get, get rechecked to see if the cancer came back. She had just battled cancer and, and she, was, she was nervous because she was going back to see, did it come back? Or, or is it really gone? It was that moment. And so, man, I'm listening to her story and I'm going, and I'm getting closer and I'm going, wow. Wow. And I wonder what she feels like. I've never experienced cancer before, and I can't imagine going back to the doctor and waiting on him to tell you if it came back or not. So we got a little closer, and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to pray for her. I was like, all right. But then the longer I was there, the more I kind of went, Lord, there's a line. And my flesh jumped in because I'm always in a hurry. He said, there's a line. Uh, I don't want to hold these to pray for her. Just shut up and pray for her. I was like, okay, all right, sorry. So she checks me out and checks all my stuff out. And she puts it in the bag. I said, hey, I said, uh, I heard your story. I said, are you nervous? She said, yeah. I said, are you scared? She said, yeah. I said, you know Jesus has got this. She goes, oh, I know my Jesus got this, but I'm, I'm just nervous. I said, can I pray for you? She said, yeah. And I turned right there. And I laid my hand on that woman's shoulder just like I've been telling you to do this morning. And I just said, Lord, I pray that you come with your perfect love and cast out all of her fear. I thank you, Lord, that by this time tomorrow she's going to be rejoicing because cancer is gone. I just pray that over her. I pray that you replace her fear with joy. 
I pray that in the name of Jesus. And I glanced up in the middle of my prayer. There's a couple of ladies back there doing the whole sign of the cross thing. I mean, it's just like we had a little church service going on. I was like, come on. It just don't matter what you're doing. It's just you getting it. And so, and then I just walked away. I wasn't there to prove it. I don't even know what report she got. I was there to pray. You never know. I could have lifted her faith in that moment to, to mustard seed level. And she walks into the doctor's office with some mustard seed faith and cancer has gone in the name of Jesus. You never know what's going to happen. I heard a story just this week about a young girl who's sick and her parents were at a place. And, and the mom and the daughter went into the bathroom. And the daughter walks out of the stall and another lady walks into the stall. And the lady walks right back out and grabs the mom and says, says, ma'am, uh, this may be a little bit awkward, but is, is your daughter sick? And the mom was like, uh, yeah. I just, I feel like the Lord wants me to pray for her. This is at a truck stop in the bathroom. Come on, Jesus. And that woman prayed for that little girl healing. And pray for a miracle. But you see, when you're stubborn and you're, and you're full of unbelief, you can't even see that moment. Because you're too busy doing what? Your own thing. I ain't got time for this God stuff. I ain't praying for those people. I'm in a bathroom, Lord. I'm not praying. You're too dignified to pray for somebody in the bathroom. Lord Jesus, if there needs to be prayer somewhere, it's in the bathroom. A lot of germs need to die, right? Come on, all you germaphobes. Y'all pray. That's the only time y'all pray in tongues is when y'all go into the bathroom. You kill more germs than you do demons. It's happening today, y'all. What's happened to us? That's the question I want to pose today. What's happened to us? What died? How did we lose the zeal and the passion we had when we first believed? What's happened? You've become stubborn. And you've become full of unbelief. But listen to me. Jesus will forgive you of that. His lighter always works. He'll light you up again. light you up again you can experience that salvation day experience again if you'll ask him if you'll repent amen what do we do now 